What's good, everyone? Dragoon from the future. Reading a Bungie blog update from last night, I was just about to publish DTS 179. Bungie put out a blog updating the changes that they're going to do for the prestige mode activities that were gated off from Curse of Osiris. Diddy and I in the program talked about how disappointed we were seeing things like the Prestige Leviathan no longer accessible to those who own base Destiny 2 and didn't buy the DLC. This was not a great move on Bungie's end, but there are detailing fixes that are going live in the hotfix today, update 1111. It's Tuesday, December 12th, so it should be going live when the maintenance ends. I'm actually pretty excited about how quickly they moved on this one. I'm worried that, you know, this got through testing in the first place, but seeing this kind of speed, you know, fixing it, we may be seeing a, a change of pace here at Bungie. So here's what they're going to be doing to rectify the mistakes. They, uh, really in this post, without saying, you know, we're sorry, sounded pretty apologetic for doing this in the first place. Okay, so this week, Bungie is releasing a hotfix that will make the following changes. The Prestige Leviathan Raid will be brought back down to power 300. Its rewards will drop down to match the new power level. All players will regain access to the Prestige Raid. This will allow access to the Prestige Achievement and Trophy for all players. This will also allow all players to complete the final step for the Legend of Acreus Shotgun. Trials of the Nine will only require Curse of Osiris when it features a Curse of Osiris map. For all other weeks, it'll be available to all players. That is awesome. This will allow access to Lest Ye Be Judged achievement and trophy for all players. Trials of the Nine rewards that launch with D2 will still be accessible to all players. New seasonal rewards that launch with Curse of Osiris, such as the new seasonal armor ornaments, will require you to have Curse of Osiris. The Prestige Nightfall will remain a pinnacle activity at the new 330 power cap. This means the Prestige Nightfall will require the ownership of Curse of Osiris. Because of this, we will update the Prestige Achievement and Trophy to only reference the Prestige Raid. Moving forward, we're investigating adding a third difficulty to all Prestige activities so that we can provide both a challenge that stays relevant with each new expansion and a Prestige version that is available to all players. Normal Nightfall will only require Curse of Osiris when it features a Curse of Osiris map. I think they mean strike, but for all the other weeks, it will be available to all players. Time-limited events like Iron Banner, Faction Rally, and The Dawning will be made available to all players. We will be postponing tomorrow's Faction Rally to ensure all of our players can access the activity and the appropriate rewards. Iron Banner and Faction Rally rewards that launch with Destiny 2 will still be accessible to all players. New seasonal rewards that launch with Curse of Osiris, such as the seasonal armor ornaments, will require you to own, own Curse of Osiris to acquire. We expect these changes to go live tomorrow at the end of scheduled maintenance. Moving forward, we are also looking to improve on heroic strikes with new challenges, new modifiers, and free access for all players. Okay. I'm really happy about all of this. The biggest one to me is them flirting with the idea of a third difficulty for all prestige activities. I've talked about my desire for a third difficulty in Destiny for a really, really, really long time. I love how World of Warcraft has the LFR, Normal, Heroic, and Mythic. I think Destiny could hugely benefit from a Mythic difficulty. Trials now being available to all players except for the weekends where the map is a DLC map, freaking cool. Um, the time-limited events, I actually didn't know this, and I'm glad they made the change before Faction Rally went live. Otherwise, the PR disaster would have been even greater. Uh, Faction Rallies, I guess, were, and like Iron Banner and the Dawning were going to be DLC-gated. That's really exciting to hear that they are not doing that. I think that's totally the right move. Uh, for 
the interim time, having the Prestige Leviathan back at 300 may seem a little bit like wonky when you look at the actual like overall difficulty tiers, but I think it's the best option that they can implement right now. It doesn't sound like they have the technical ability to include an old Prestige difficulty and a new Prestige difficulty at the same time. I hope when they talk about this third difficulty, we're actually talking about like a new third difficulty altogether and not just a third button option. Um, these are the kind of changes and the pace of changes that I want to see, and I'm really happy. This was very honest. It was very uh, apologetic, especially in the tone of the... I didn't read the earlier par paragraphs, but I'll link this on our website, destinytheshow.com. And then hearing that they're going to work on making heroic strikes available to everybody with modifiers and new challenges, that to me is really good news. So with all that said, Bungie, thanks if we get this stuff on a regular basis, you might be able to turn the ship and the morale is going to start going back up, I think. Hope you guys enjoy DTS-179, and I'll see you at the end. You're listening to Destiny The Show. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Destiny, the show, the Destiny news podcast, keep you the guardian ahead of the curve in the world of Destiny. My name is BBK Dragoon, and I'm joined, as always, by my great co-host, Diddy. What's up, my man? This week was almost wintertime in North Texas. Uh, we got one day where it was like 20, 30 degrees, and then it's been 50, 60 degrees the rest of the day, so uh, my dry skin is not happy, but, you know... I got some new Destiny content to play, and then I got really busy with work, and then the Raid Lair came out. Yeah, and you got the chance to sample that yesterday. I did, What's yes. What's your 15-second take on it? It's a, it's beautiful. That That's my phrase. It is beautiful. Uh, one, one sentence on it, it, it's beautiful, and it's what strikes in Destiny should be. Mm. Mm. We're going to dig deeper into that statement <laughs> later today, man. Hey. I got to try the Monster Hunter World open beta this weekend. Ooh. And if you have a PSN subscription, Diddy, uh, you should do that because we're recording this on Sunday. By the time the listeners hear this, they will not have a chance to do it unless Capcom decides to extend it. Dude, that game is really cool. Have you ever played a Monster Hunter? I have not, no. I okay. hear it has a very loyal following, though. Action y Dark Souls mixed with it's not raiding in destiny but it just kind of a, the group element of destiny together where you're going with your bros you're chasing down the dinosaur you got your buddy jumping on his back stabbing him in the head and you're putting down little spike traps it's it's cool i i am totally totally hooked on that thing so that will be my main jam coming up today curse of osiris chat we're going to talk about our feedback we're going to talk about what worked what didn't it, I won't lie, Diddy, I think this is one of the weakest expansions that Bungie's ever put together and probably comes at a pretty bad time with the, uh, <laughs> the state <laughs> of the community, right? Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Well, let's hop into the news then. News! Where to begin? Where to begin? Curse of Osiris went live this Tuesday, and it brought with it a mixed bag. I want to hold off on the feedback, Diddy, and just sort of recap sort of the <laughs> Promethean Lens situation. You want to break that down for me? Uh, yeah, so the Promethean Lens, brand new trace rifle, exotic in Destiny 2, Curse of Osiris, 
is uh, plays a little bit differently than the, uh, the Cold Heart, but uh, it's bugged in the Crucible and it's going to be patched. It's coming, uh, a fix is coming this week with the uh, December 12th update. Uh, but in the Crucible, before the patch, of course, if you're listening to this after Tuesday, then the patch would have already gone live, hopefully. Uh, it kills Guardians in like 0.3 seconds and that's really quick <laughs> to put it in perspective i think it was uh gigs um who's uh, you know very popular destiny streamer who said who put it in perspective that the, it could kill four players in the amount of time that it could take one hand cannon to kill one guardian in the crucible so it's yeah. uh, extremely powerful and uh bungie acknowledged that it was bugged and they didn't exactly explain how they were going to fix it, so we'll know here uh, this week. But they also said, you know, Zer, why don't you go ahead and sell it so everybody can experience the fun this last weekend? And oh my goodness, it was so much fun to use in the Crucible, even though you know I died from it a lot. The fact that I had it as well made it a little bit better. Yeah, sorry, it's Prometheus, not Promethean. I'm. I'm just steeped Oof. in my Mass Effect love right now, my man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the Prometheus lens, I was really frustrated because on Wednesday, Bungie's tweeting, hey, we're going to talk to you more about this in the TWAB. And at this point, community is just frustrated because of instances like these, right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to hear talked about, just hotfix the thing. If you're like any other developer, that's sort of what the player base expects. And then we find out, hey, they're not going to cancel trials this weekend. That is ridiculous. Why? Why? And then come Fridays, they ended up selling the Prometheus lens. So everybody could have a chance to mess around with it. I, you know, my anger from not hot fixing it and being like, why is this going to take a full week to fix it? Yeah. Went to like, all right, that's kind of a funny Band-Aid. This will be a memorable moment in the Destiny like timeline. We'll remember that time everybody has laser beans. All right, why don't we talk about Curse of Osiris in terms of what we thought of the expansion thus far, what's going on with the community. Well, Curse of Osiris then. (laughs) Okay. I don't, it's hard because we've had a a flurry of shows of frustration, constructive criticism, and a disappointed community. And Curse of Osiris, I think, has only poured more gasoline upon the fire, and, and rightfully so. Diddy, I feel like this is one of the laziest DLCs I've ever played. And I don't let me let me phrase this properly. The art team, the music team, the, the people handling the visuals, you are some of the best in the entire industry. Keep doing what you're doing. Because the artwork and the music is is beyond exceptional. It is unreal. However, from a gameplay perspective, an incentive perspective, and from a narrative perspective, Curse of Osiris falls super flat on its face. Diddy, I got through the story. By the way, spoilers. If you guys don't want to hear about us talking Curse of Osiris spoiler stuff, you can just skip this week, I think. I got through the story in about an hour and a half. How long did it take you? Uh, I would say probably of actual gameplay around an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. It took me longer, of course. It took me, you know, three or four hours to get from start to finish. But that's because, you know, I did some tower runs. I did some crucible in between there. But story-wise, hour and a half, two hours is is about accurate. Okay. And then from within that campaign, 
you had one mission, which was basically an old Destin 2 strike. One of the missions was on the Mercury Patrol space, which, by the way, is a very, very tiny donut, just like we had predicted. And pretty much the rest of the missions take place on the Infinite Forest, with one of the missions being the new Garden World strike. And, man, I, I can't sit here and tell you I expected better as soon as we read <laughs> in that IGN article. Uh, that they started production of Curse of Osiris right around the, the launch of Vanilla. That doesn't mean we shouldn't expect more, though. I'm just trying... It's like walking on eggshells right now, because I put out, like, this really, like, detailed, lengthy video about why I think Curse of Osiris is pretty bad. And it did well on YouTube, but, dude, so many people called me a bungee apologist, and I was vicious in that video, right? I was pretty harsh on, on the expansion, yeah, you know? it was not a positive video yeah. <laughs> at all. So... I want to see, I mean, it all comes from a place of wanting to see things get better, but do you think the story lived up to your expectations, or do you think the story delivered a worthy story of a expansion? Notice they didn't, Bungie didn't call this a DLC. This is called an expansion. Short answer, no. Um, I, I was impressed. I'll start with the positive. I was impressed at the number of story missions that I had to go through to get from start to finish. Uh, the quality of those story missions, however, was, as expected, not great. And mm. the final boss fight tilts me so hard that I am so frustrated. I That final boss fight was a joke. I'm sorry. That, that's just how I'm going to announce my distaste for this expansion. It was just the most boring fight i've ever had in destiny i've had patrol and public events that were more intense than that final boss fight yep. and in terms of lore and story con like quality this is osiris and they shouldn't have done osiris like it could have been ikora for all i care and it would have been better but the fact that it was osiris made this lore and expansion story wise just not great in my mind I want to expand there because I think visually, you and I both said Panoptes is amazing. What a yes. cool boss design. This looks so stinking cool. But we know absolutely nothing about him, just that we have to stop him from covering the planet in Vex stuff and turning out the lights in the future. Yep. So from a gameplay perspective is what you're criticizing in that final boss fight where, hey, run up here, kill that mob, and now we're going to have you shoot the eyeball three times all done. <laughs> Instead Here's of, why don't you fight? For, okay, Diddy, at the end of the Destiny 1 beta, the last mission that you got to play on the Cosmodrome, yes. where you're having to actually defend the waves of the high the last off, array. That is more engaging than that. It's, we already said spoiler warning here. I'm just going to spoil the final boss fight. with As a hunter, with Night Stalker equipped, with Orpheus rigs, all you have to do is once you land... At the final boss stage, you have to run up to the top of the platform, tether the bottom, and you tether literally every single enemy that spawns. You just focus the ultra or the major that spawns in there because you have to kill him to progress. And since the tether shares all the damage, every enemy dies instantly. And then, oh, you go through the, the cannon, go through the second cannon, pick up the orb, place the orb, and then it teleports me, pointing my gun at the boss's crit spot. And then I unload a clip of my assault rifle and then there goes a third of the boss's health damage. I don't fight the boss. I just damage him. 
mm-hmm. I fight the ads, and it's mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. I mean, even the Black Garden mission <laughs> offers Garden mission more of was, a challenge. Yeah, it was more of a challenge, uh, and that wasn't hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think from a narrative perspective, why I'm so heavily criticizing it is Osiris is such a major lore character, and throughout Curse of Osiris, he's periphery. In fact, you spend very little time having him make a direct impact on your actions. When you finally do beat the boss and you find Osiris and you both exit the infinite forest onto Mercury, he spends about 15 seconds saying, hey, Ikora, it's been a long time. And they have like this awkward little jovial laugh. And he's like, all right, I best be going then. Turns around, walks back into the portal, and you're left there going, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. I just... I just pulled you out of here. You're one of the most important characters in the entire lore of Destiny. And you're just going to walk back in there because from a narrative perspective, the writers didn't have enough time to put together an actual story for you. It's a cop-out, in my opinion, where they cashed in on the hype of such a big character but weren't able to do him justice in the time constraints that they were given. They talked about, Bungie talked about how much they didn't like the DLC model of year one of Destiny 1, how they felt rushed and they needed more time. So I'm not that mad at the developers who had 12 weeks. I understand why they did the Infinite Forest. I'm mad at the leadership and the management at Bungie. Disappointed is a better word, not mad. I'm disappointed with the leadership who timed it the exact same way and allowed for such a big character to basically not have enough real estate, not have enough time to do a narrative justice. Yeah, I would agree there. And what <laughs> a really picky and specific uh, irk that that I just dislike about the end cut scene there with Osiris where he just goes back into the portal. He says, you know where to find me if you ever want to talk. And then you can't go back through that portal in patrol Unless you have an adventure. Unless you have an adventure. And also, it's infinite realities, too. So maybe you just get lucky and find them in the right... Yeah, and so a lot of people are confused of what the curse of Osiris actually is. My theory is he's forever... You know, if the Vex, they have infinite timelines, right? They they infinite possibilities. And he just has... He says that I've got to stop the Vex. But that's an infinite amount of stuff to do so i think that's his curse he just has to do that forever and i don't know uh let me help you out bro i let me let me go with you i mean panoptes is probably not the only bad guy vex that i can shoot bullets at and not fight but it's you know i don't know it's poor execution there yeah these are just opinions just ours they don't have to reflect yours we're not you know totally blasting it i loved the heroic adventures did he the heroic yes. adventures to me represent an activity that needs to take a bigger um, space moving forward in Destiny because it's a really cool design idea. These are challenging. Um, they were recommended power of like 300. They scale with you. So if you're above 300, they'll keep scaling up with you. But you go into the infinite forest and there are nightfall modifiers which add to the challenge. And then you go into there, you do the infinite forest portion, and then you reach either, you know, past Mercury, future Mercury, and then you have to complete a specific objective. And these are timed objectives. And solo, they were really challenging. And these take probably about 15 to 20 minutes. And what I love so much about it is 
as a solo player, yeah, you can take people in to do it, but as a solo player, it offered endgame tier kind of challenges. Not as hard as a raid, obviously, but it's like running kind of a nightfall by yourself, and you don't have the maybe time to play a full nightfall, but it's a really cool type of activity that was fun, challenging, had a little jump puzzle at the end for two of them, and I, I really, really, really like the concept of it. I, I totally, I think there's four adventures in total, my apologies, but it was great. They just are locked out on a weekly basis. Once you've done your three heroics, I have to wait until next server reset to go get more from Brother Vance. And I would love to do those each day. I kind of understand locking out rewards, right, for a weekly purpose, but develop some sub-currency and let me keep running through this activity. What, what did you think of the adventures? I'm going to agree with you there. I think that they were, I think that since they were outside the scope of a story mission strike or raid or whatever, that they fill a really good void, again, for the solo player or for the end game player. It's, you pick it up, it's a challenging activity, and it's something different, right? I, I really like those things in Destiny. And it's, they're kind of along the same lines of Ikora's, you know, heroic story missions, right? You have to go pick it up from Brother Vance. And I agree with you, I, I wish I could do those all the time. Yeah. But instead, I have to do public events or the Heroic Strike playlist to do end-game PvE content or outside the raid, I mean, you know, or raid layer. Mm -hmm. Two questions really arose for me as I was playing further, and I think Skill Up, who did a recent review on uh, Curse of Osiris, had this to say, and it, it fits, and I quote, But I think that here in the Infinite Forest and in most of this expansion, in fact, Bungie have fallen in love with the beauty of their own skyboxes and have completely abandoned any effort to design functional first-person shooter levels here, end quote. The Infinite Forest represents huge potential, but falls super flat on your face. Let me ask you a question. Did you, after, let's say, your second or third time in the forest, actually clear all the mobs on the platforms, or did you only clear the ones you needed to and skip the rest? Not even during the first Infinite Forest my first encounter with the infinite forest, I realized I did not have to kill any of the enemies to open the door, to get to the next plate, to get to the next door, to go through the hallway, to get to the actual encounter at the end of the story mission. And on I, almost all of those platforms too, you're elevated. So you don't even yeah. have to drop down there to fight yeah. them. I mean, I, as a night stalker, I use my class ability, go invis. I didn't even have to do that, but I did the first couple times just cause I didn't know what to expect run straight to the door, unlock it, spawns the next platform, do the same thing, get to the hallway, get to the rest of the story mission. I, I, I run the emblem, the Night Stalker emblem that counts my kills. And at the beginning of the story mission, I, I don't remember what it was, but the difference between the beginning of my story mission and the end of the story missions was about 200 kills. And that's hmm. not a lot in yeah. PvE numbers right if if i had killed every single enemy on those platforms it probably would have tripled or doubled or double tripled there are way too few platforms that spawn in the infinite forest that require you to kill an enemy to get to the next location there's too few mm -hmm. make me kill these people make it interesting yeah so i think they flirted with huge potential with the infinite forest and with one of the heroic adventures in particular for the infinite forest if i was yes. designer at bungie for a week I would seriously implement a time trial system with leaderboards 
and require multiple objectives per platform. Kill this boss mob who drops this relic who you then have to defend against three waves of whatever. Because there's huge potential in that idea of the infinite forest. It's so cool and the artwork is so beautiful but they don't give you an engaging reason to actually go down there, except for the couple of times you have to kill the demons who lock the red gate. So throw a time, it's so perfectly fit for a speedrun style activity. And then the other activity that has, I think, monstrous, just huge potential in Destiny would be a horde mode. And one of the heroic adventures, you fight off two waves of hive, defending a central tower. And you look at it and you go, wait a second, you guys had literally almost all the ingredients needed for an endless horde system? Just do it, man. Just do it. You know how happy the player base would have been with this expansion if it came with a good endless horde mode with leaderboards, with, you know, different mods on a weekly basis, maybe some randomly selected objectives. That that in and of itself is is a recipe for success, you know? Yeah, even if they didn't want to commit to a horde style mode, Archon's Forge and Court of Oryx style modes, right? Oh, that's cool. Where you had the a specific boss, a specific mechanic for that boss, and it, 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 the infinite forest, right? It spawns you into a platform with enemies that doesn't look the same every time, right? There are, you know, there's a few, it, it picks from a category of things, right? And if a specific boss spawned in that you had to do a specific mechanic to, you know, kill that boss to get to the next platform, Court of Oryx or Archon's Forge style, it would have made it so much more interesting. But instead, I, I agree, <laughs> Infinite Forest just wasted potential. Just like uh, the, what's it called? Prison of Elders was a really cool idea, poor execution, and failed potential there. Court of Works, Archon's Forge was, were already in Destiny. They could just bring that formula over to the Infinite Forest, and it would work. It would be something yeah. else to do, I think. So they've got they've got a lot there, and it actually I believe is salvageable if Bungie moves really fast. If Bungie moves quickly, has a clear set of dialogue with the community, maybe we start doing monthly State of Destiny two updates in which we start getting some real changes in a shorter time frame. Because I don't think you're going to have many players sticking around the next three months if we are only going to get changes when season three arrives. You know. Yeah, and what when is season three going to happen? When the DLC two launches, which is between, if we go by the current timeline, that's either going to be March, April, or May at this point. Yeah, I'm just I'm fatigued, man. I I'm somebody <laughs> who wants to love this game, you as well. And for anybody I think who got involved with Destiny two, like if this is your first Destiny game and you weren't around for the last three and a half years, you may think, oh, just be patient, give them time. But the loyal Bungie fans did that in Destiny 1. We yep. you know, put our hope in that laying dormant potential of the game. And over time, it really became an awesome game, dude. The last like year, especially the last six months of Destiny 1, was like, all right, this is good, man. And so seeing us go through a deja vu now in Destiny 2 where it's like, okay, we're back again. No. Yeah, we're we're starting to see the signs again, like the similarities in how everything's being handled, right? Age of Triumph, like you said, was was a great game. Destiny was fun to play during Age of Triumph because you had so much thing, so many things to do, so much gear to acquire, and the content and gameplay were there. And yeah. it's not there 
now. <laughs> Before we move out of here, I want to just do sort of a time capsule. You told me about the uh, Paradox mission, the old yes. Taken King, really cool, like, hidden missions, quests to get these super, super sweet weapons. You want to talk about Black Spindle just for a second, then I'll talk about the No Time to Explain yeah, so really quick on the Paradox, I was part of the fire team that actually confirmed that the Paradox was extra content. Uh, with Nacho and Aura, we, uh, we we confirmed that it was, you know, actually You guys were the first Reddit, Reddit yeah, we, we kind of it. We kind of network manipulated it and didn't activate it correctly, but we confirmed that it was there. Um, anyways, the Black Spindle for, for, for Destiny 1, it was... You know, originally the Black Hammer came in the Crota Raid, it's a legendary sniper rifle, and it was too powerful, so they kind of nerfed it and then left it behind. And then Taken King comes out. Uh, there is uh, these every Wednesday would be a like a heroic story mission reset, and at the end of this one particular story mission, you could instead of going left, you could go right, and it was kind of like a secret passageway. And it activated an alternate ending to the story mission, and it uh, started a timer, five or six minutes or so, and you had to defeat all the enemies and get to the end. It actually kind of reused a strike um, area, so you go through the, the strike, but it was different enemies, different mechanics, and when you get to the end of the room, you have to defeat all the enemies there and all the taken blights there, and then if you beat it before the timer ran out you were awarded the Black Spindle exotic version of the Black Hammer sniper rifle. And it was difficult. It was timed. It was secret. Nobody knew about it until someone said, hey, uh, the, the Reddit post came up, and it was like, hey, guys, I just did the daily heroic story, and I went this way, and something different happened. Bungie didn't tell us about it. It was difficult, it was end game, and it was rewarding, and it was phenomenal. And that's a story players remember. Players will always remember getting their spindle, because you had to wait for that. And if you couldn't get home, Diddy, like let's say you weren't going to be able to play that night, you had to wait until it came back in the rotation of the daily heroic yep. mission. So cool. No time to explain, you needed to get, uh, I think there were three dead ghost memories that you needed. And then you had to talk to Lakshmi of Future War Cult, get the Not Forged in Light quest, pledge to Future War Cult, get a thousand reputation after that pledge, kill a Taken Minotaur to collect the Simulation Core. You then needed to do the Vault of Glass on any difficulty and kill Atheon to get a particular uh, item, his eye. Then you needed to complete the Shadow at Twilight, a 270 light heroic mission. Then the Blood of the Garden mission, um, which was a 290 light heroic mission. And that is how you would end up getting the No Time to Explain. And that is a really cool memory in a cool era. And I don't know how we've moved so far away from it where Curse of Osiris, half of the items in this expansion are in Eververse. And I wouldn't mind so much if we had a few of these things like No Time to Explain or Black Spindle. Yeah, things to work towards, things to grind for, you know, strike specific loot not there uh you know pa patrol specific loot not there i mean yeah you have the destination specific gear uh but you know aside from that what else do we have you know not much 
I think Bungie, in order to turn the ship maybe back in the right direction, is going to have to take some knocks. And I think the community being frustrated like it is right now, unless they move quickly, it's only going to get worse. I just want to see it really improve. <laughs> and I think Curse of Osiris took some steps in the right direction. But overall, change the direction of the ship, Bungie, before we get to Expansion 2. And the quicker you get on communication and making some positive changes, the better. Because right now it's sort of a it's a sour time. Yeah, I think uh, Bungie needs to open a few more illuminated engrams. They're illuminated now, not bright. That's right. In season two, illuminated engrams to get a different ship so that we can go in a different direction. But, I mean, we do have the 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 Vex weapons to grind for, right? But it's, it's not the same as Black Spindle, right? Black Spindle was more difficult. Uh, the, the Paradox, the No Time to Explain, was a bit more detailed. And then it was just... It's not the same and of course this week with the december 12th patch we are getting master masterworks masterworks i was supposed to say masterclass but whatever masterworks whatever that's going to add into the game and we'll see how it works yeah and we'll have to talk about the raid player next week yes. because in many yes. ways throughout d1 when i was trying to defend it to people we're like, why do you play this game? I'm like, dude, the raids. for the raids. That's why I bought those expansions were for the raids. And the raid layer looks really cool from what I saw. And that'll give our listeners another week to try and venture in there and tackle it before we get into any sort of spoilers. So, Yeah, and just really quick on my note about the raid layer that I said at the beginning of the show. It's obviously not as long or as detailed as an actual raid because that's not what their intention was. And it, it fit it wasn't as long as Raid, but it's what strikes should be. Like, think of your best and favorite strike and then add a little bit more to it to make it more exciting, and that's what this Raid layer is. It's fun. I want more. I want more. <laughs> it's a cool boss. It's a way cool yes. boss. Yes. So where can people find your content? Twitter.com slash Diddy, D-T-S, D-I-T-T-Y-D-T-S, and YouTube.com slash Wooshness, W-O-O-O-S-H-N-E-S-S. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Destiny the Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. All the links from today and more on DestinyTheShow.com. You can follow me at BBK Dragoon on both YouTube and Twitter. Good luck taking down the raid layer. Good luck in Curse of Osiris. Have a great uh, early almost holiday. Get your gift shopping done if you haven't yet, and we'll talk to you next time.